homily for the third Sunday of Easter, St. Mary's Church, Grand Forks, May 5th, 2019. The apostles rejoiced that they had been found worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name. What kind of dishonor are we talking about here? This first reading tells us about a verbal lashing that Peter and the apostles received from the Sanhedrin. But they received a literal, physical lashing, too. Today's reading omits the part of this passage that describes how the authorities had the apostles scourged as a punishment. In most every other case in which the Sanhedrin took somebody to the woodshed, they would be scared straight. It was an attitude adjustment that resolved whatever issues were going on. Even the reports and gossip of such a thing happening would create a stigma that followed a person around. But with the twelve, none of that mattered. And at this point there are twelve again. Matthias is chosen to take the place of Judas Iscariot. Most others would be chastened, limping back into obscurity. The twelve, on the other hand, rejoice and celebrate. To the bewilderment of the Sanhedrin, the more they are persecuted, the prouder they become. From that point on, the bedrock characteristic of Christians has been their willingness to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name of Jesus. Indeed, to prefer any form of mistreatment, even death, over betraying the truth of their faith. Regardless of the obstacles that stand in our way, we can and must have that same conviction, that same knowledge of identity and baptismal calling. To describe this, adults, I want you to think of the one big crush you had in high school, the one guy or gal who sent you head over heels, the one who most quickly comes to mind, even today. Some folks are lucky enough to marry that person, but many don't have that chance. But for this example, it doesn't matter. Have you pictured that person yet? Now imagine that someone else hates and publicly denounces the object of your affection. This person comes forward and proclaims that he or she is dirty, rotten, and low-down, and works to bring everyone around to this point of view. If you're really enthralled with your beloved, how might you respond? For sure, you'll get angry, and you may even protest, you're wrong, that can't possibly be true. After all, someone who has captured your heart is worth defending. Someone who inspires you brings out a loyalty that doesn't stop to evaluate what the costs and benefits are. This analogy barely gets close to the love the apostles had for Jesus. The love Jesus showed them won them over early on, but it continued to grow deeper, wider, stronger. And once Christ rose triumphant from the tomb, and sent the Holy Spirit upon them. Their love grew by leaps and bounds. They knew him, loved him, and trusted him fully, and nothing any detractors could say would ever dissuade them. When we hear the dialogue between Peter and our Lord in the final chapter of St. John's Gospel, it is not at all an ending, but a beginning. Three times Jesus asks Simon, Do you love me? This is obviously a kind of medicine for the wound of Peter's threefold denial on Holy Thursday night 
when he claimed not to even know him. One of Jesus' questions has this variation. Do you love me more than these? This statement is not searching for a scientific poll or a reason to boast in the form of a childish comparison. I like to understand Jesus' question this way. Will you love me only to the extent or as long as the others do? Will you love me even should they refuse to? Will you love me if you're the only one left who does? Peter's response, Lord, you know that I love you, does not end the conversation but begins it. Peter's pledge of love is yet another acceptance of Christ's call. The rest of his life is an ongoing manifestation and exploration of that love in all seasons. Peter's love reached its apex when he, like his master, was nailed to a cross. But according to tradition, he declared that he didn't deserve to die in the same mode as his Savior, and asked the soldiers to crucify him upside down. The gift available to us in the church is a love for Christ as intense as what the apostles had. They were human beings like us, right? How much different were they from us, besides all the things of their past lives that they gave up? A powerful burning love for the name of Christ and for his mercy are here for the taking. The theme of today's readings reminds me of an image the late Pope St. John Paul II loved to use from Scripture, of when Jesus asked Peter to row out to deep water and lower his nets for a catch. The Holy Father compared this to Christ's challenge that we go deeper in embracing and gleaning the treasures of our Catholic faith. A great many of us spend most of our time in the shallow end of the lake. We carve out our routines and map out the spiritual commitments we choose to make. Liturgy, private prayer, charitable works, those commitments are good, and by all means, let's keep it up. But what's waiting for us in the deep end? What more does God have prepared for us that would stir his divine love into flame? What concrete things, which up until now we've kept far away, would fill our sails and take us deeper onto the lake? What do we say no to in order to stay comfortable and undisturbed? I want you to know that this critique starts with me. It would be disingenuous of me not to ask some hard questions of myself. And times of prayer before the Blessed Sacrament are when they tend to arise. How often have I stayed in the shallow end of the pool in my priesthood? How often have I given up something I began because it didn't yield the results I hoped for? How often have I talked myself out of trying something because I thought it would go over like a lead balloon? How many works of God have I stifled by my discouragement or lack of faith? And what will I do to clear those hurdles? Long story short, would I willingly rejoice to suffer dishonor for the sake of the holy name of Jesus? We all need God's help, as well as the support of one another, to dive into the deep water. Let's take the first step together, so that by our words and by our lives, we are telling Jesus, You know all things. You know that I love you. Amen.